Before I get into this topic, I first have to say that there is no possible way for me to do justice to the subject of reality or truth in the amount of time I have in any of these episodes. There are philosophers who have dedicated their entire life to these topics. But as long as we've said that, let's dive into the subject of objective truth. Absolute truth is something that is true in all places at all times. It is something that is fixed. It is unchangeable and defined. A good example is there are no round squares. The first thing to understand about absolute truth is there is no possible way to argue it, actually. Anytime you try to argue against absolute truth, you have to argue with some kind of absolute truth. When people try to argue against absolute truth with statements like, there is no such thing as truth, or truth is relative, or no one knows what the truth is, those are absolute truth statements. So my suggestion is you just don't even try to argue against absolute truth because you can't. In fact, it gets worse. Anytime you try to argue against absolute truth, it proves it exists. Objective truth is where you get a little bit more complicated because let's call it the universe's definition, what you may call a source or God. The definition that that aspect of the universe has about objective truth is very different from the human definition of objective truth. The human definition of objective truth is something that is true independent from a person's subjective perspective, including the influence of their personal bias. When one is identified, this is impossible because one must be observing something through their individual perspective. It is, in fact, objective truth that every religion believes they're arguing. The universe's definition of objective truth is completely different than this. It is every subjective perspective added to one bigger objective perspective. In other words, objective truth is the amalgamation of all perspectives. Better said, objective truth is the amalgamation of every subjective perspective which added together forms the objective truth of any given subject. This means it is not possible to grasp objective truth unless you have, one, managed to disidentify from your individual subjective perspective, and two, have been able to expand your mind wide enough to comprehend and accommodate for all perspectives. I should say all subjective perspectives involved in any subject matter that you are observing or that is being observed from any of those subjective perspectives. This is what source mind ultimately is, assuming the definition of source is all energy and therefore consciousness in existence. Now let's take a look at subjective truth. Subjective truth is something that is held to be true based on a person's or a thing's individual subjective perspective. This includes individual experiences, individual feelings, thoughts, needs, desires, preferences, and opinions. If you are identified, the only truth you can perceive is, in fact, subjective truth. You have to transcend I and accommodate for other perspectives by recognizing the other as part of you, not separate to you, in order to perceive beyond subjective truth. Before we take a look at objective truth, one thing I need to bring up here is that there is a very big difference between saying that you have objective or absolute truth, and speaking in absolutes. 
Almost everyone who puts their opinion out to the external world, whether it's teachers, professors, politicians, spiritual teachers, or experts in any field, put their opinion out to the world in an absolute manner of speaking. They speak in absolutes. They speak it as if their opinion or their stance or their perspective is objective truth. Now we all know it's a really good idea to consider that your perspective may not actually be the objective truth of any situation. That's important, right? Because when we close our mind down to the potential that there may be a truth that exists that is much more true than our subjective perspective can comprehend at this moment, we have the capacity to expand. So to lock down on the fact that your <clears throat> personal perspective is objective perspective is quite dangerous. But I already tell you this. We already know this. But to the opposite, trying to make sure that everyone speaks in a way that suggests that they recognize that their perspective is subjective is just you trying to avoid your trauma. <laughs> also, a person who has a mutable idea of objective truth and who can accommodate for the idea that they may not have objective truth may still choose, for very specific reasons, to speak in absolutes. If people talking in absolutes bothers you, then you need to look at your specific trauma. Here's what I mean. People who are bothered by people talking in absolutes are those who were wounded by authority figures who did not have a grasp of objective truth, but who instead imposed their subjective truth on everyone in the household, not accommodating for anyone else's perspective at all. Anytime someone talks in absolutes, they fear a repeat of the same pain. If these traumas were resolved, a closed mind might threaten you, yes, but a person speaking in absolutes would not. You wouldn't fear not being taken into consideration, and you wouldn't fear your own subjective truth being swallowed up and nullified. Here's where I want you to stop your fear of absolute truth as it applies to the universe at large. We're not talking about people who are tyrants and therefore speak in absolutes because they quite literally don't accommodate for your perspective. The universe's definition of objective truth is the amalgamation of every subjective perspective. That means in order for the universe to have objective truth, it has to accommodate and consider your perspective, doesn't it? Now what if I told you that there was as much benefit to a person talking in absolutes as there was potential danger? When we are confronted with a solid perspective, it is much more difficult to brush it off. We have to try it on for size. We have to consider it because it leaves no doorway for the ego to escape or to minimize or to invalidate that statement. I want you to imagine Martin Luther King's speech, his famous I Have a Dream speech, if it is not spoken in absolutes. <laughs> so you can understand the benefit of speaking in absolutes. I have a little excerpt of his speech today. I'm going to read it first to you the way it is, and then I'm going to read it to you the way that many of you would prefer if he does not speak in absolutes and definitely talks as if he understands it's just his subjective perspective. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree is a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who have been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to the end of the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely land of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of human society and finds himself in exile in his own land. 
And here it is revised, so he's not talking in absolutes. Five score years ago, someone I think was a great American and in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. In my personal opinion, this was a momentous decree, and in my opinion, it has been a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who I, and many other people believe, have been seared in the flames of withering injustice. For those who felt it was an injustice, even if the slave owners felt the exact opposite way, it came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, we must consider one perspective, and it is that Negro lives live on a lonely land of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. I believe that 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of human society and finds himself in exile in his own land. I hope you were as grossed out by that as I was, but here's the thing. If he had given that speech back when he did it, guess who it would have made really, really comfortable? The people who owned slaves. The danger of not speaking in an absolute way when you're conveying an opinion is that the ego takes whatever doorway to escape discomfort that it can. It doesn't have to try a truth on for size. It isn't confronted. If you weaken your frequency of your statement by saying something like one potential is that you could not be interested in anyone you're dating because you actually fear getting close to anyone, the ego will capitalize on that door that was left open, that the potential is just that, a potential. Basically, your ego will be like, well, because it's one potential, it's probably not true. Speaking in an absolute manner of speaking is a tool in the same way that speaking, as if your perspective is just one perspective, is also a tool. If we define objective truth the way that the universe defines objective truth, as opposed to the human definition, so that is that objective truth is the amalgamation of every subjective truth relative to a specific subject matter, then this means that objective truth absolutely does exist. And if objective truth absolutely does exist, that also means that objective reality absolutely exists. This means there are things that are true regardless of whether or not an individual perceives them to be true or not. This also means that a reality exists regardless of whether or not a person perceives that reality. It is as dangerous to say that there is no objective truth as it is for an individual to say that their subjective truth is the objective truth. It is as dangerous to say that there is no objective reality because we create our reality as it is to say that we do not create reality at all. These pendulum swings within thought are not in alignment and they are not integrated philosophies. They are a counter-reaction to the limitations and pain experienced by the opposite and preceding polarity. Instead of spoon-feeding it to you, my challenge for you is to sit with the potential danger of these polarized perspectives relative to both truth and reality. The problem, or perhaps blessing, of this situation is there is no possible way to know, from where you're sitting today, whether somebody is in fact speaking objective truth or is just speaking from their subjective perspective. It could be that someone is simply speaking subjective truth, but is mistaking that for objective truth, and based on the fact that they mistake it for objective truth, you listen to them and also take it as objective truth when it's just subjective. Also, though, from where you sit today, somebody could be speaking objective truth and you could be dismissing it as subjective truth because it is coming through an individual person's mouth. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're not going to know if it is objective truth until you yourself develop the capacity to expand yourself wide enough 
to accommodate all subjective perspectives so that out of the amalgamation of those subjective perspectives, the truth rises out of all of them combined. The best way to be able to expand yourself wide enough to actually access objective truth is to disidentify. Obviously not possible to see objective truth if you're only seeing life through your perspective. <laughs> Two, integrate your own fragmented aspects. And three, develop into what I call and consciousness. To understand these concepts in depth, watch my videos titled Disidentification, the Practice of Non-Attachment, Fragmentation, the Worldwide Disease, and and consciousness, the modern day replacement for the middle way. You can also begin to practice going into the perspective of other beings by practicing something I call the octopus technique. To learn this technique, watch my video that is quite literally titled The Octopus Technique. Reality is a co-creation. There are a great many people out there who are teaching that reality is a co-creation, but at the same time teaching that you create your own reality. Think about that for just a second. It's a complete contradiction in terms. <laughs> The fact that reality is a co-creation means that you are contributing to the creation of reality, but you are not the only person creating reality. It also means that for you to be able to manipulate the law of attraction so as to create your own little individual reality built for one, you actually have to step into a state of illusion. You have to step so squarely into subjective perspective that you lose objective perspective completely. It implies that you have fallen into the limited 3D truth that you are separate from everything else and the illusion that just because your individual perceptive reality you are happy, it does not matter that in other perceptual realities other aspects of you that you see as other people are not. To say I create my own reality is ignorance. It is to use the spiritual truth of creation and perception to deny objective reality for the sake of individual preference. Now, people who love these types of philosophy love them because it makes you less powerless. Most people on the planet are coming from a space of, I don't create any of this and life just happens to me. So it's absolutely brilliant to get out of that powerlessness by understanding that you can create reality. But it's also super, super dangerous. Most of the people who fall into this category swing from a very codependent style of relating to the world to now a narcissistic style of relating to the world. Basically, they want to justify doing whatever the hell they want to do, regardless of the impact on anything else. Reality also accommodates for seemingly contradictory truths, because reality has to accommodate for different dimensions. Because all things in existence are part of Source, and therefore are imbued with the innate capacity to create, you can create reality. And so can everyone else. The question is, will you create that reality in illusion or in alignment with objective truth? The law of attraction was a really brilliant design for the universe to try to get to know itself. It is a tool that was designed specifically for awareness. But the people who have learned that based on the fact that this whole universe functions like a mirror, they can create whatever reality they want to perceive, have in fact found the dangerous loophole inherent in the law of attraction. Here's the other thing. People love to look at objective truth as if objective truth is a very static thing, but objective truth is actually always evolving. The reason for this, and this makes people uncomfortable, is because source itself, the universe itself, consciousness itself, is always evolving. In other words, source has a subconscious mind. 
because Source itself has a subconscious mind and is always expanding because it's always in the process of becoming more conscious of itself, this obviously means that objective truth has to be changing. This also means that Source itself is in pursuit of what? The answer is universal truth. The more conscious it becomes of itself, the more the truth of itself emerges, the more the truth ultimately changes. If you step into source perspective, from source perspective, looking back at people who say things like, there is no truth because all truth is subjective, and there is no reality because you create it, are people who have actually stagnated the universe. From universal perspective, these people are actually defying universal expansion. They're taking themselves out of the game of the pursuit of universal truth, of objective truth. Consequently, it perceives this reasoning to be a cop-out. <laughs> it also perceives people who say there's no objective reality because you can create your own reality and should to be locked in a narcissistic bubble and therefore defying the universal truth of oneness. It perceives this line of thinking to be an overreaction to the perceived powerlessness experienced before this philosophy was created. It is therefore no more in alignment than it is to consider yourself powerless to other people's creations. The point where universal truth or objective perspective is at the current moment is that it would hope that all things in existence could accept the more objective truth that all is one, and therefore all subjective perspectives could be accommodated in the co-creative process of creating which is actually in alignment for all beings in existence. Meaning, where it is right now is it wants all beings in existence to find a state of alignment and therefore to create together in the same direction. Because from its perspective right now, if everyone's creating what they want to create, often because they're not in alignment and not taking each other as part of themselves, they're creating in opposition to one another. Essentially, during the process of fragmentation in a universe where each fragment is imbued with free will and is also a byproduct of unconscious determinism, so many fragments in the universe are creating in opposition to one another instead of alignment with one another that this is no longer serving source itself. It is by knowing each fragment's subjective truth that we arrive at objective truth and thus know what is truly in alignment to create. This is what we could call conscious creation, instead of creation that is fueled by unconscious determinism. But having said all this about objective truth, the truth is you have no way of knowing whether this is in fact objective truth or whether it is just my subjective perspective.